welcome back, everybody. Uh, Dogbone Podcast. This is episode number 43. Um, we are, I'm going back to the old format. I've got, I've got some questions. Um, these are questions that came, uh, one came email, one came Facebook. Um, they're connected, they're similar, so I thought I'd kind of piggyback on them and, and do a podcast covering, covering both. They're, they have a little bit of different spin on them. Um, so we're going to be covering some stuff. Um, I've had some people that, and, and this is the great part, of, I think, about doing the podcast, is um, when I get a lot of questions and I get tons of them um, by the different outlets that we have, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, YouTube even, which I don't check very often, but um, sometimes we get some questions on YouTube, um, and then directly like through email. Um, Lots of, and, and hell, I get text messages now um, because our products have our my phone number on the back. So I'll even get text messages with questions. So, and I don't mind that. I think, um, I think that's part of the value of what we have to offer. I think the products are good, but if you don't know how to use them, um, it doesn't do you any good. So that's part of why we do this. That's part of why we do um, a lot of videos and try to put as much information out there as possible to help you. So um, I, I, we've built, we've kind of built this podcast around that to start out with. Now we've gone in other directions a little bit at times, but um, this one is a joint thing. It was one was email, one was um, Facebook. And one of, and the and the Facebook one is actually some friends of ours. Uh, the question came: We met these we met this couple um, years ago at the ATA show. Um, they're from Canada. They they have an archery shop up there in Canada. Uh, his message to me was: Hope everything is good with you. Question for you: We have a new black lab. She's three years old, and I can't get her to pick up a goose. We taped the wing to a dummy, and she still won't pick it up. Any advice? Um, so we're going to talk about that, and and that's going to get a little more specific because I am going to talk about specifically geese um, a little bit here and the, the the struggles and the hurdles that come up with them. Um, obviously, it's a size and a weight thing. Um, so my question back to him was, uh, is it just a is it just geese or is it feathers in general? Because he said, you know, we taped the wing to the dummy and dog won't pick that up either. So that kind of was a little bit of a, um, an, a, a red flag in my mind to go, is it geese or is it feathers? Um, he messaged back and said, it seems like it's feathers in general. So it shifted my mindset um, to answering that question. So sometimes when I get questions, I have to ask more questions of that person. Um, I think Tony Peterson, he's an outdoor writer. Um, we've done a lot of work with, um, he's got a podcast. Um, what's his, his is called Sporting Dog Sporting Talk. Dog talk. Um, yeah. We've done a couple episodes with him. Um, I think he kind of, He's the one who brought it to light in my mind um, and in front of me was he said, you know, you're one of the few people that I'll ask a question to and I need to be prepared because you ask me more questions than I asked you before you'll answer it. And I just think that when it comes to dogs, um, there's so many different things that can come into play. So I usually do that. I'm going to ask questions back. Um, I don't think it's typically just an easy, this is what you do based on what your question was. So I fired it back to him and I said, you know, what's, what's the real issue? And I think the lesson in that is every time I run into something, and if I sound really stuffed up, it's because I am. I really feel like I'm talking out of my, I can't breathe out of my nose right now. I've got a little bit of a cold, but uh, so I apologize for that. But if I end up 
getting a question, I typically need to get more information um, because I feel like there's just a lot of different directions to go. So um, I, I, I believe that when you get into trouble with training, you shouldn't be looking for the answer necessarily to that problem. You should be thinking about what created the problem. So you need to, because it's, it's usually when the problems start to show up, um, you're usually further along uh, than just a simple fix. Um, there's missing parts, usually. There's missing um, elements to it because everything is connected in training. And so I think you, you almost have to have this mentality of when there's a problem, figure out what the problem, before you start to figure out how to fix that problem, first determine what caused it. And then go back to that. And then you might have to go back a step from there. And that's just a good way of approaching anything when it comes to dog training. Um, so so that's that's what I do. That's what I did with this. So my, my, my second one is a guy that sent me an email. Um, and I actually owe him an email back because I, I don't, you know what? I think he called me first. Um, instead of emailing me, he called me. One or the other. But anyway, I talked with the guy um, quite in depth um, and about his issue. And here's his problem. His struggle was he had a, a dog. Uh, it was a poodle pointer. And he his dog was blinking on birds. And when I say blinking on birds, meaning it would go right up to him, wouldn't pick him up. Um, that was on land and water. So he, had, he was from Canada too. Both were Canadians. And so he had his dog out, their duck season had opened, he had his dog out, he shot a couple ducks, and the dog marked it well, lined to it well, went to it, and would not pick it up. And so he said, what am I doing, what, what am I missing here? And his, his, what he wanted to, the point he wanted to make was, he wanted to talk with me about it because everyone he had talked to up there said force fetch the dog. And I, and he doesn't believe in force fetch. And he said, I've listened to you talk about it. I've watched these videos. I've, I've watched your hold conditioning video on YouTube. I've watched all this stuff that you talk about in your videos about not using force and getting the same results. And he said, and that's the approach I choose to take. So what do I do shy of force fetching this dog to get to pick up feathers? So I started talking with, picking up birds. So I started talking with him about it. So the first thing I'm going to cover is the goose guy. Uh, the Canadian that had the problem. And then we determined that it wasn't necessarily a goose issue. It was maybe a feathers issue. So feathers to start out with are important because it's texture. Um, I don't think you want to go. I don't think you, it's, I use the, I use the line, don't go from A to Z, go from A to B, B to C, C to D, eventually you get to Z. I use that a lot in training because I just think it's incremental. It's, it's how we do things. We build off of the last lesson. So I don't go from a, uh, a, a canvas bump dummy or a fire hose dummy, and then I put them on birds. There's way too many things in between there. So we incrementally get them to birds. And one of the things that we'll do is we'll take wings and we'll tape them to dummies. So I'm going to use, now I, I do that um, as an incremental step to introducing feathers. I don't I think you have to be careful in any of these steps that you don't get so far into it that that's the only thing your dog wants to pick up. Like if they start to like birds and they only want to pick up birds, you've got a problem on your hand because now you got to, now they, they check out on dummies. 
And if they check out on dummies, it's going to make your training a lot harder because you're going to have to keep birds. You're going to have to be freezing them, unfreezing them. So I don't want to, I, I, I use it as a, I don't use them as often. Now I do use fe feathered dummies often and primarily for scent. So I don't use them to start out with when it's visual. I use it when it starts getting into nose work, when we start putting them in cover and that, that feather holds a lot of scent. So that's my primary reason for carrying feather dummies in my bag. You see them all the time um, in our videos. I use them quite often, but I rarely use them when it's a very visual thing, except when it comes to introducing puppies to it. So Bella, for instance, right now, we have had her picking up feathered dummies. Um, we did not start out with feathered dummies because that's too much for a little puppy. It's too tempting for a little puppy to get a bad habit of wanting to pluck them, wanting to pick them up by the feathers, wanting them to lay down and kind of pull the feathers out. I don't want that, so I don't do that early on. Instead, I use just a very simple puppy bumper. And it's just, I, I like these fire hose bumpers that we sell. Um, they're real durable. They're cork-filled. They feel like a duck. Um, they, I can get the, you know, the size of them to be appropriate. We've got four different sizes that we offer. So I use those. I use a nice big white one visually for the dogs to see. So that's part of my process of retrieve. But when we get to the point where we're going to go, okay, now it's time to introduce some feathers. It's going to be a feel thing, a texture thing in their mouth. It's also a scent thing because they're going to smell that and go, wow, this, this smells way more interesting than those dirty old canvas dummies. So I am going to tape wings to them. I don't, I, I use particular wings. I don't use, I don't like to use certain wings that the feathers come off real easy. Um, I, I may take early on, I may take some of those wings and tape them on. I use electrical tape. Um, I may tape the majority of it up so that there's just a little bit of feathers there so that they get that feel in their mouth and, but they can't very easily pull them off. I don't want to make them loose and have it so that they can pluck them. So I'm going to take wings. I like wings that have rather durable feathers. Um, a duck wing, uh, a little teal. I've got teal wings on, on some of my puppy dummies. Um, a pigeon wing isn't the worst. Um, I don't use dove. I, a dove is a, a feather. Feathers come off pretty easy. Um, they, they pull out easy. Um, they're just too sensitive. So I will, I've got some uh, pheasant wings um, that I, I like. I use young pheasant wings on, on little puppy bumpers. We had some pheasants that we lost as we were raising pheasants this year. I just clipped the wings off on them. Um, so what I, what I do is I introduce it that way to the, to the feathers. So we're, we're already making retrieves. The habit is there. The habit is good. The habit is don't mess around with the dummy. Pick it up, bring it back. We're just going to add a layer to it of now there's going to be a different feel to it and a different smell to it. And, and I can adjust how much feel I give them based on how much tape I do or don't use. So you get the idea of we're going to transition to a feather dummy. Then from there, I'm going to go to cold game. And so now this is the process for introducing the dog to a bird, um, to picking up the bird itself. This doesn't come sequentially like we do it one week of this, one week of this, one week of this. I spread, uh, I spread it out and it varies some. So I, I also think that when you listen to this podcast, when you listen to, when you watch some of our videos, I urge you to watch lots of them and listen to lots of them because they're all a little bit different, different um, depending on the dogs. And I think that your dog, you, there's some experimenting that takes place. So for instance, Bella went from dummies, just, just fire hose dummies, 
to we picked up tennis balls with her and we picked up a couple different objects uh, i used some dummy launchers um, those dummies are a little bit different than the fire hose dummies so i've used a variety of different types of dummies no wings no nothing on it from there we shot um, I, the first bird she picked up was a grouse. I shot a, a, a partridge up in Northern Wisconsin and it was a fresh killed bird and I had it and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give her the opportunity to pick it up. Normally I would say this is not the way to do it, but I had the chance and I had the confidence in that dog because that dog is a delivery machine. She's just got the nicest hold I've ever had with a puppy of her age. She's got a very, very natural delivery, very natural retrieve. If she had a tendency to run off with stuff, I wouldn't have even thought about this because she'd have ran off in the bush and started plucking the feathers and chomping on it. I wouldn't have done it. But because it was Bella and because of where she was in training, I took a fresh killed bird, warm bird, and I pitched it and I let her pick it up and bring it back to me. I filmed it on Instagram. Um, I took pictures of it. It's on Instagram. So you, you, we did that with her. That would not be something that I would have done with a dog that didn't have the tendencies that Bella has. But what I would have done with that dog that maybe did have issues with it is first off, I'd fix the running off. I'd fix the issues with wanting to play, lay down, chew, all that stuff before I ever went to feathers. But when I did go to feathers, I'd have a habit of a dog going out and picking up and bringing back. And I'd tape the wings on and I'd do that. From there, I'd go to cold game. And from cold, when I say cold game, I mean out of the freezer. So I'm going to keep some of these birds. So this fall, you guys keep a few of your birds. Keep different species. Keep pluck feathers. Um, I like to pluck breast feathers out of ducks, like that down, and put them in bags and then put tennis balls in there. I take deer hair and I put deer hair in bags and I put tennis balls in there. I put, I've got a bag full of woodcock and grouse feathers and wings that I'll use at some point down the road in training, I just keep, I store tennis balls in there, in the freezer. Um, those tennis balls become real good little scent bombs and they hide real well in the cover. And so there's another way I introduce the idea of smells and a little bit probably a feel to it, but more, more so smell. But so I'm gonna take, keep all that game in my freezer. I keep it in different Ziploc bags and I mark them. And so what I will do is take teal, early season teal, and I like to put those in the freezer. Um, a teal is a real nice sized bird for a young dog. Um, you can get them early typically because that September season opens up. So before the duck season even op opens up a month in advance, I can get, have little fresh ducks, but I can put, I'll put those in the freezer. Now, when I take them out of the freezer, they're cold. So I don't want the feathers to be frosty. So I set them out and I let them thaw a little bit and I let that frost come off the feathers and that they're not wet now, they're dry. And, but they're solid. Their body of the bird is firm. The reason I want that is because I don't want the dog to have something soft in their mouth. I think that they have a tendency to want to put too much pressure on it. When it's a hard object, they don't put that pressure of chomping on. So I use cold game um, and, and, and I do the exact same thing. I make little retrieves with it. I might do hold. If I'm doing hold conditioning, I'm going to hold condition through this whole process uh, using these different objects. But cold game is my next step. Then I'm going to go to like a fresh killed bird. Um, pigeons usually are the most accessible. Um, but like in my case, when I was up north, I had a grouse. So now grouse feathers come off really easy. Probably not the one I would pick for most dogs. But with Bella, I was okay with it. Um, but you can use a little fresh killed quail. You can, you can use a fresh killed little bird that's warm. It's going to be soft. The difference with that is those wings can move around. The heads can move around. So it is going to... 
The reason I like them frozen to start out with is because they're not so easy to pick up by those things. And so it teaches my dog, I think it gets my dog conditioned to the idea of picking it up by the body, um, a good solid. And when they return to me, I can put it back in their mouth and, and adjust it so that they get this nice solid hold. No different than your canvas dummies, your fire hose dummies, your tr whatever your training dummies are, no different than that. When they bring it back sloppy, if they bring it back like a cigar, I turn it and I put it back in position and I remind them to hold. So we're gonna do the exact same thing with the birds. So now we're getting the dog to understand that the bird is no different than the other stuff that it's been retrieving. And it's just pick it up, learn how to pick it up nicely, um, and bring it back to us. So that's how I'm going to do it with, with introductions. That's my feather progression. Um, tape them to wings, go cold game, go, f go warm game. You can go thawed in between there. You can take, you can take one and thawed out so that it's not necessarily fresh killed. You can do that if you need to. The fresh killed bird is going to be the, the toughest for the dog to not have the temptation of wanting to mess with. And so I make sure that it's prepared for that and ready for it. Um, you can take a step in between there and just thaw out a cold game, uh, a frozen game. So, and then we go to the fresh killed, and then I'm going to go to a live bird. Um, I, because the first cripple your dog picks up, Spry ran into this, uh, this fall. We shot a grouse. It was alive. Um, it was flopping. She picked it. I think she picked it very, very habitually. I mean, we had trained with, with cold game. We trained with fresh killed game. We trained with warm stuff. She didn't have a problem with feathers. She picked that bird up and then that bird came to life in her mouth and her eyes got real big. And when she came up to me, she had more pressure on it than I wanted her to. Um, and she was very reluctant to let it go. I gave her a dead command. That's the command I used to release. I said, dead, dead, dead. She didn't let it go very easily. I put that on Instagram. So that was on her Instagram story. But um, she held it a lot tighter. I think it, and that bird was alive. Um, and so I think the flopping of the wings, the idea of her feeling it move, it being alive, they'd know if it's alive or dead. And so that caused her a little bit of apprehension to release it. Uh, she had a tendency to put a little more pressure on the bird than I wanted to. So I made a point of saying, okay, I need to work on that. I talked about that in our podcast, I think in the the Upland podcast or the Project Upland podcast that we did last, um, she put a little more pressure on it. So we went back to cold game and we went back to some fresh killed birds and I, she retrieved two woodcock for me on Monday um, and she de delivered them just super delicate. One was alive. Um, she had a really nice hold on it. I think it was just developing her confidence to understand, look, I, I can put enough pressure on to hold it. I don't have to crunch it. And when dad says, give it up, he's got it. So that's just putting two, you know, putting one and one together to get two. Um, and that's what we're doing with her. So there are, you, you're going to go, I do think you need to go to live birds. Um, best way to do that is just put a sleeve over a pigeon. Um, they make little like mesh bags kind of that slide over them that keep their wings from flapping, but the bird's alive. Do hold conditioning with that. Put that in the dog's mouth and let it retrieve it. Throw it out and let the dog pick it up and bring it back to you. It's a live bird that will move, but you're going to get this idea of picking it up and nothing really changes. Bring it back to dad. Um, you know, there's those first, that first season or two, you always have to be cautious when it comes to live birds. Um, a, a rooster that's wounded winged <clears throat> that your dog picks up is going to spur. And, and that can be really a negative. When I say spur, I mean, they're going to catch them with their spurs and fight for their lives. And they'll, they'll, 
they'll get a dog. Uh, the, I've had dogs get hit in, the, hit in the face with a spur from a big rooster in South Dakota, a wild bird, and they, are, they become a little bit reluctant, a little bit hesitant. So you do want to be careful um, and be conscious of that, especially your first season. I think you get through that first season and the dogs are picking cripples, they build the confidence and they start to learn um, how to handle them a little bit better without putting themselves in the way of trouble. So that's an experience thing. <clears throat> so back to, to Andy's question about the goose, you know, I said, we found out it's feathers. So I talked him through this progression that I just, I, I emailed him back or messaged him back, but I talked him through that progression of first, you need to intro to feathers before you think of a goose. The goose is like level 10. So we need to be sure that the dog is picking up a teal confidently before it's picking up a goose because it's going, it's just the size things can get in the way. Here's what I like to do to get to geese. And I've, I've showed this. Um, it's in some of our YouTube videos. I showed some of it with Cody picking one up. Um, but fast, I fast forwarded it a little bit. I didn't do it from the very beginning. But we've, I like to take a beach towel. So this is a little hack for you. Take a beach towel. I did this in college because I was broke. Um, and I needed a way to get a dog. My dog at the time, Remy, wouldn't pick up a goose. She picked up everything else. She wouldn't pick up a goose. I think it was just too heavy for her. And she just was a little bit, she did, couldn't get over the top to pick it. So what I did was I took a towel, a shower, like a towel that you take a shower and dry off with, and I rolled it up. And I rolled it up, and, and it was a big one, almost like a beach towel. And it was big enough when I rolled it up to be about the size of a goose. So I took duct tape and I taped that towel up. After I rolled it, I taped it up. And so I took wings off of a goose because my dog didn't have problems picking up feathers. It was the size that was, she was struggling with. So I took that beach towel and I, I, I don't know if I put the wings on to start out with or not, but I taped it up and I, I think I might've done it without the feathers to begin with. And I just rolled it in the grass for her and made her pick it up and bring it back to me. She'd pick anything up. That Size wasn't the issue. It was the weight with her. So she had to open her mouth real wide, but she got a hold of that towel and she picked it up and brought it back to me. So it's like she's retrieving this rolled up towel to me. So I turned it into a really fun game. I didn't ask her to be steady. I just turned it into like a puppy game. She picked that up and brought it back to me. So the next thing I did, I taped the wings to it, uh, a goose wing. Um, I put one wing on it, not two, not, not both sides. I just put one wing on it. So I rolled that out there. She picked it up, no problem, brought it back to me because we'd already played this game. Then I taped a second wing to it. So now I have this beach towel that's the size of a goose with two wings on it that cover basically almost the whole towel. There's very few parts that she could pick up without having a feather in her mouth. So it was the size of a goose and it had feathers like a goose, but it weighed two pounds instead of 20. And so what I started doing was slowly adding weight to it. And so I took decoy anchors, long lead decoy anchors, and I slid them into the beach towel. At the end of the beach towel, it was rolled up like a burrito, and I slid in some weights. And so I just slowly added anchor weights into that, into that goose towel, and I continually played retrieve with her. And so I didn't do a million of them, but I'd do three, four retrieves at a session, and I might do it once or twice a day. And by the end of a week or so, I'd stuck enough weight in there that it was hard for her to pick it up. It was equal to a goose. Maybe it was even heavier. But she knew the game. She had a lot of fun with it. I gave her a ton of praise with it. And eventually, it didn't become an issue for her because my... And she wasn't a big dog. She was 
50 pounds, 55 pounds. Um, and she was an American dog. She wasn't one of the, one of the British dogs. That was one of the f- first labs. It was the first lab I ever owned. So she was just a little American dog uh, on the smaller side. But she picked that, she started picking it up confidently and we had no issues. And from that, I took a frozen goose and I cut the head off of it. So there was no head. It was just a frozen goose with feet and wings. And it was the exactly, basically the exact same thing as what I had turned the beach towel into. Um, I froze it. It was in my freezer. I took it out. Um, I let it thaw so that it wasn't frozen cold, but the feather, you know, so it thawed out the exterior and I made retrieves with that and there was no problem. The wings were still solid at that point. It was frozen enough that the wings weren't flopping around. So had her picking that. And then from that, I went with a fresh killed bird and she picked that for me because it was once she had that mental barrier past the size and the weight there was no issue. And from that, from that point on, I never had, never had an issue. So that's always my, I've used that method with, oh God, a lot of dogs since, um, you know, they do make, uh, they do make a big goose dummy. Um, Dokken makes a big goose dummy. And I, I, my buddy had one. They're super expensive. They're real expensive. Uh, 50, 60 bucks, I think. And my buddy had one and he said, here, use this. This is when I had Remy, my, my beach towel dog. And I tried it with her with that dummy. Well, she wouldn't pick the dummy up either. She's not going to pick the real thing up. She wouldn't pick the dummy up. The dummy and the real thing are like the same. So I had to figure out how to go back. So it's this reverse engineering thing and figuring out what is the problem. Is it the feathers? No. Is it the size? Maybe. Is it the weight? Yeah, that's what it was. So how do we fix that? And that's how I did it. Um, so there's my little hack for, for picking up geese. I think this time of year, a lot of people are going to see it. Cody went through it. Um, this was another thing I slid in um, to the training process with Cody. I got a farm duck. I used to have these farm ducks. They look like the Aflac ducks. They're about the size of a snow goose. Um, they're smaller than a Canadian. They're bigger than a mallard. Um, they're probably too big to start a dog out retrieving ducks. Like they're just they're pretty good size, but they're not quite the size of a Canadian. So I have those in my freezer um, and we I keep those. And so those are a transitional step that I typically do with dogs before I go to the frozen Canadian goose. And after I go to the, um, after I go to the, the beach towel, I'll go to this, this Aflac duck and then I might go to a frozen Canadian goose. So it's just another stepping stone in the middle there. Um, that's an option for you. Um, then there's other types of ducks out there too. There's there's ducks that look like mallards, but they're farm ducks. They're big. I think they're for eating, but um, they're big, giant ducks. They don't fly. Um, that'd be another option that you could incrementally take a step with. So that's that one. Now, this other guy from Canada, his dog that blinks on birds. This was a really interesting one because the guy has gone through, and, and you could tell he was a train. You could tell he had really studied training. Um, and I don't think he was a trainer, but he, he really put a lot of effort into it and he studied it really closely. Well, he took, he was having the dog that wouldn't retrieve the ducks and he went through and he explained to me everything that he had done. He had hold condition, his dog, his dog holds, his dog held brushes, hammer handles, uh, you name weird objects in the garage. He held, he hold conditioned all of those things into his dog so that it could carry anything, anything and everything. Dummies included, obviously. So, but now, now to birds and the dog won't pick up birds. <clears throat> so I said, well, you know, why do you think it is? And he said, I don't know. The dog just doesn't want to pick up birds. And I said, well, the bird can be a little bit 
much for a dog that's not picked up. I asked him, I said, does he, does he pick it up in training? And, and he said, well, feathered, feathered dummies, yes. But birds have never, we, I don't have any birds to use. So I don't know. I, no, I don't use them in training. And I, the, like, that was the easiest answer I'd ever given anyone at that point. Cause I said, well, think about it. You, you hold conditioned the dog to pick up a bra, a bristle brush. And that's fine. I, I don't know why, um, because I don't know what you're going to do with that, but you'd never hold condition the dog with a bird. And what's the dog struggling with? I mean, if you threw a bristle brush out in the marsh, the dog would probably go pick it up and bring it back to you because you've trained it to be okay retrieving a bristle brush. You never got the dog to understand pick up birds. So we, I think, need to go back. I think he needs to go back and go just go through that. Go through everything you've done because you've done it successfully with lots of different things. Go back and do the same process with all the objects I just talked about. Cold game, feathers, cold game, warm birds, fresh killed birds, live birds. Do all of that stuff. And watch how quickly the dog will go, hmm, this is just another bristle brush. This is just another hammer handle. This is just another thing that he wants me to pick up and bring back. And I guarantee you it will work that way. I know it will. Now, I got an email from him. Uh, so that was like, I want to say that was like last Friday, um, I think, that we, that it was, it was not that long ago that we were talking on the phone. I got an email back from him that was like three or four days later. And you'll never believe it. I took the dog hunting, shot a bird, dog blinked on it. And I haven't responded back to him, but I'm going to. And he, maybe he'll listen to this podcast before I get back to him, but I'll probably get back to him pretty quick. But uh, I, my answer is going to be stop, be patient dogs do not learn things overnight you can't you didn't you didn't prepare your dog for hunting season three days before you put a ton of work into it you put a lot i know he did because the way he described stuff he didn't start training for for i don't know if he pheasant hunts but let's say he pheasant hunts and doesn't have an issue with pheasants you don't start if you're if you're an october 15th start date you don't start training on october 12th and be disappointed on the 15th that the dog doesn't do it so Yes. Do you have a lot of other things that you've trained into the dog to this point? Yes, you have. And I bet you the dog did all those things well. Dog was probably steady. You didn't start working on steadiness three days ago. The dog was probably marked well and lined well. You did not start working on lining three days ago. You didn't start working on marking three days ago. That shit happened a long time ago, and it happened over a long period of time to get to where you are right now. You can't just decide, well, it's opening of season. I want this now, so three days later we're going to have it. So it's a really easy reply back to him is be patient. Stop trying to force things to happen, prepare properly, and when you get to the field, it will click. But you are not ready to go to the field and have expectations of finished product until you do all the work. And the work starts on the bench and moves to the floor and then to the yard and then to the field, and none of that stuff can be crammed. I, I In college, if I didn't study for a test and I spent the, you know, the semester... We learned all this stuff, and then we had a semester test at the end. And if I didn't do anything the entire semester up until the night before, I could cram. I mean, that's how some people get through things. I, I'm, not, I'm not even that good at it, but I've done it before. 
But I, I could stay up for eight hours and just try to memorize stuff enough to get through this test tomorrow. But my test versus the guy that went to every class, did every homework assignment, did every pr quiz along the way, was actively involved with the entire process and then took the test, I guarantee you he does real well and I struggle. You are cramming with your dog. Don't cram. Put the dog in class and go to class. And there's a reason why a semester-long class takes a semester. It's because you can't do it in a day. It won't retain. And so what we're trying, what I'm seeing trying to happen here is we're trying to take a semester's worth of stuff and put it into a weekend and then go, now we should be able to take the final. And it's just not going to work. So that can be applied again to anything and everything you do in training. I don't care if it is season. Uh, hell, I'm, I think it's great that it's the season. Just be okay with the idea of you're not going to have your finished dog this year. So what? You're not paying someone to train it. You're training it. Spry didn't hunt till this year. Spry's two and a half years old. Ellie is having her first really nice season as a gun dog, as a flushing dog. She's four. And most people that hunt over these dogs would tell you, man, if I could just get to that level with that dog. And I'm telling you right now, we're just getting started with that dog. Give me three, four years. Once we, once we now are to the point where we're hunting, talk to me in three years. Because these dogs are going to be really dynamite. But, you know, I, I just think the big picture, the value in it is, the question is, is do you want to be a sprinter or do you want to run marathons? Because if you want to be a sprinter, then you should do sprinter activities. You should teach tricks to the dog. If you want to be a marathon runner, if you want to be a hunter for the next 10 years and have quality, better experience because your dog is with you on those hunts, then be a marathon runner and train the same way. You don't, you don't train for a marathon by running wind sprints and expecting to run the marathon next week. So that's it. It went probably a little bit longer than we normally do, but we covered two really good questions um, that are that are real, um, that, that apply to this time of the year. Um, you know, I, I've got, the other thing is some tracking stuff. We're going to start talking about some tracking stuff because I'm going to be using Bella to start tracking. Now it's tracking season. Oh my God, I got to take Bella on a track. Hell no. I got to introduce Bella to tracking. Because that's the age she's at. That's where she's at in training. And re regardless of the season, now do I want to take advantage of this season? Absolutely. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have her follow a deer and find a deer that's already been found and is dead. That's going to be the experience she gains this season. Um, there is no way I'm going to take her because it's tracking season and take her on a gut shot deer that my neighbor called and tracked and lost blood. No. Take one of the older dogs that has some experience. I'll take Taylor. And then when we find it, I'll go get Bella. And I'll let Bella find it. And the value of it is just having her see a dead deer and develop this comfort. It's no different than having her pick up feathers before she goes on a hunt. So we're going to piece this thing all together. So that's it. Episode number 43. It is in the books. Um, you guys, I, I appreciate your support. Thank you so much. I have gotten such... Um, a positive feedback from you guys, whether it be messages, um, through different social media platforms, whatever it is. Um, the podcast, I, I, don't th I don't think we have huge numbers by any means, but 
the podcast is touching people, and and that's what the idea was. Um, it's probably the reason why we we stalled out with it. We did like I don't know when we first started this thing. We did probably ten of them, and then we took months off because of just schedule got really jammed up and all that stuff. But it was I put ten of them out, and my lack of big picture vision was ugh. I don't even think people are listening to it. I don't know if I should do it. Well, hell, why would they? Well, they you didn't get. We just didn't give it a chance. We didn't give it a shot. So we're we're digging in, and I feel like we're kind of starting to get a little bit of traction and a little bit of grip on where we're going with it. Um, we, we've and, and so now all of a sudden we're starting to see some of that response and 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 reviews. Your guys' reviews mean the world to us. So if you would do me a favor. If you like these, uh, be sure to hit it up with a review on whatever app you're using to listen to them. Um, it, it, it means the world to us, and, and you don't understand as a small business how important that is for us. So thank you for that, um, and we're going to continue to do these. I've got a couple other uh, topics that we're going to touch on, and then um, pretty soon we're going to have another Bella update too because uh, as 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 you all know, I don't stop time. So uh, Bella is dynamite right now. She's on fire. Um, she's doing great. Uh, our Bella Be Good series, if you're interested in watching it, is on YouTube. Um, Bella Be Good, it's got its own little playlist, right? Yep. It's got a playlist. We're posted up to like 13 or 14 right now. We've done 40. Yeah. We've done about 40 of them. So we're playing catch up, but I'm, I'm trying to get posts out almost every day. Um, one thing you can do when you go to YouTube is uh, there's a little bell there. If you click on that bell, first off, I think you have to subscribe. Yeah, subscribe yeah. So if you subscribe to our channel... And, and and I thank you for doing that. If you subscribe to our channel, then there's like a little bell icon thing. You click that, and that turns your notifications on, correct? Yep. And then once you turn your notifications on, you're going to get notified as long as you have the information to YouTube that you have, whether it be email or whatever it is, that they, however they reach you. Um, they will let you know when we launch a new video. Uh, I'm also trying to always post that stuff on uh, at least the Bella Be, Back, Bella Be Good series, we're posting them on Instagram and Facebook when we've launched new ones and they go live. Um, the nice part about being a subscriber and turning notifications on is as Ben dumps other content pieces on there, because we have we, we we literally have so many of them, and we're just slowly trickling them onto there. Um, as they go on, you'll get notifications. So it might be something that applies that isn't connected to Bella Be Good. So that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back with another Dogbone podcast and we'll keep this thing moving. Mm-hmm.